Happy Wednesday. Thank you for joining another episode of MFIT Radio. I am so excited because I am heading to Austin. So if you're in Austin, Texas, please come see me at Paleo FX. I will be sharing booths with Pure Wad, which is actually going through an awesome rename. So take a look at their Instagram for some great supplements that are crap free. And then I'm going to do a workout in the park with Epic Bar and Picnic Austin, who just launched some bulletproof bottled coffee. You mm. tried it, Bradford. I tried it. Loved it. It's really delicious. It's tasty. And it's like so easy and portable. It's got MCT oil, grass-fed butter. Protein. Super good. Whey protein. And protein. 10 Gs of protein. 10 Gs. All the Gs. So I'm excited to go say hi to my friends in Austin. I, this is my third year doing it, and I love Austin. It's a little hot, but besides that, I'm a fan. And can't wait to be there. So come check it out. I'll be doing a workout, um, like I said, in the park. It might rain, so stay in touch on Instagram where we're going to be. But I'll bring the impacts. You just got to show up. And that's all. Let's, let's talk about life. So I have a guest, Bradford Reynolds. Say hello. Hello. Miss Emily. <laughs> um, I feel like the episode I did with K- Kristen, KO, when we talked about being alpha, great episode, one of my favorite people, but we really just talked about following your heart, starting your own business, kind of the romanticism of being an entrepreneur, blah, 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 blah. And I just kind of wanted to have a different side of the story. Maybe not a different side of the story, but. A little bit more of like, let's get real and talk numbers conversation. And there was no better person to do that than Mr. Bradford. <laughs> you say so. What do you do, Mr. Bradford? I'm glad to be here. Um, so, I guess I'm the sort of the bad guy side of that equation, the entrepreneur equation. So, um, so, I was a finance guy for a little while. Um, then I was an investment banker for about four years uh, sell side mergers and acquisitions so basically um, helping small to middle market businesses size businesses um, sell their company to other businesses or other investors um, and now I essentially do the same thing but for one company um, that sells burgers to millions of people <laughs> yeah smash burger super sexy yes I'm a burger salesman no, no, that's all. I mean, you're you do big things at Smashburger. Yeah, so I do. And you have a gluten-free bun. We do have gluten-free buns, we which have, makes me so happy. We have grass-fed, grain-finished beef that's delicious. We have new turkey burgers that are awesome. But um, anyway, not about it's not about the burgers. It's about it's about the numbers. It's about um, sort of the you know the entrepreneurial taking entrepreneurial to the next level, right? So yeah. t- taking your idea to the next level. Um, what do you need to be thinking about? <clears throat> what do you need to be doing? How do you convey that message to people the right way? And um, you know, I'm I'm curious to hear what you know what you're looking to to learn. For sure. So I kind of want to just jump into it. So I I feel like if you knew how I started my business, it's been almost six years ago. You would ha- would have shit your pants because I just basically <laughs> basically was like, I need to do this. I'm going to do this. Let's go. I had no business plan. I had no idea what I was doing. I was, I'm literally the complete opposite of you when it comes to having a plan and 
you know, a business plan and all that jazz. So for you, do you feel like it's a necessity for someone that wants to start their own business? What's kind of your first step uh, where you think success lies and where it doesn't? Well, I think that's a really good starting point because um, it's sometimes it's hard for me to put myself in that frame of mind because I do come from a more calculated side of a more calculated background. You know, my approach to you know, business ideas and business plans tends to be, you know, the sort of the late stage review of, mm-hmm. of the business or the or the plan or the forecast, the, you know, the future growth plan of the current existing company. Um, and I think it's twofold. And the first thing is, you know, you never you never want to tell somebody to, um, you know, forget their idea or, you know, erase the whiteboard and start over. You, you the whole like, you don't need the end goal first, right? You don't need the end result first, right? You know, investment bankers and investors always think, what is my exit plan, right? That should that should be the last. If you're thinking about your exit plan as an entrepreneur, you're probably going to And you're it. talking about like, can I sell, how can I how sell can I this? How can I sell this? How can I monetize it? You know, who who is my eventual buyer? Who are the investors for this? If you're thinking about that and nothing else first, then you're screwed. Right? It's idea first, concept first. You have to identify a problem that you're going to solve with your idea or your product or your, you know, your service or whatever you're providing. And then you just have to build something. So um, you know, the analogy is that I've been told many times is um, you know, entrepreneurs, they jump out of the plane with all the, basically all the tools and materials to make a parachute and they just figure out how to make it on the way down. If you wait until you have figured out how to build the parachute and whatever, like the plane's already back on the ground, you're fucked, it's over, you missed your opportunity. You just need to jump and figure it out. And that can be really scary for people. And it's, it, it was, you know, it's been scary for me in my life too. It's probably why I took a more conservative route um, in that realm of my life. <clears throat> but I think it's like you just, you have to address like what are you trying to solve, right? What is the problem that you're trying to solve? Um, you know, what is the good or service or, um, you know, what are you trying to build and what does that address? And then you just, you go from there. If you're worried about, you know, what is a, a banker and douche like me going to think about it, right? <laughs> what is an investor going to think? What is a other strategic player in my industry going to think first? Um, then you're probably, you're, you're missing out, right? Because you're, what you come up with on day one isn't necessarily the product that you're going to end up with or the final well, yeah. evolution of most your business. people most people don't i don't know if in this health and wellness industry that's almost like the opposite problem they have so we are in this because we want to heal people or we want to help people and so the almost the last thing we are thinking about right. and this is where we again differ and this is why I'm so grateful for your help with the things that we've been working on but I the last thing I'm thinking about is how can I make this something how can I make this a billion dollar company or a million dollar company or a hundred thousand dollar company they're just thinking how can I help this person feel healthier and so it's coming from this place of pure passion which doesn't necessarily translate into something monetizable or at least something investable yeah Yeah, i think that makes that makes total sense and it's it's an incredible problem to have because um you know in my experience the it is really easy to tell when somebody 
is passionate about what they do or they're just passionate about making money in both ways you can be very successful if you set up if you set out to start a company or you know create a product or provide a service that is just designed to make money that can also be a really successful thing yeah but passion first always gives you a leg up in this in the six you know the element of success and you know i i've told you this many times i'm jealous of people who who have figured out what they're passionate about because to me it's it's that's the hard part is understanding identifying and moving forward with the thing that excites you most and the thing that gets you fired up to get out of bed in the morning um you know, then the hard part is how do you monetize that? And how do you like, how do you create a, a, a business around that passion? Um, but I think having the passion first, it, it, you know, it allows you to at least narrow your focus and know, you know, the segment of the spectrum, you know, the industry that you want to focus in. And, you know, then you just, you just have to dig a little deeper and figure out what part of that industry. You don't think you found your passion? Sorry to interrupt. My passion? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think I found it yet. I mean, I... I love, I love making decisions. Mm-hmm. I love strategy. I love being around really, really smart people. Um, you know that you know where we can kind of move the chess pieces around and, and make decisions on a daily basis that affect change in my world. I really enjoy that part of it, the power element. Yeah. Um, you know, having influence, I really enjoy that. But when it comes to what the product is or what the pa- what the element of passion is. That's, you know, that's still a question mark for me. So what I did is I essentially said, okay, I don't know what I'm passionate about. I'm just going to work my ass off and be on the other side of the table from the entrepreneur or the, you know, the business owner. Well, I, and I asked that because I feel like there's a lot of people that, you know, of course they love being fit and healthy, but it might not be something they want to make their own job or they maybe just are stuck in like, what actually is my passion? And if I had to put in my sentence, my passion I don't know if I could yeah. well it, I think it's really hard I mean I've thought about I love working out I go to the gym as, as often as I possibly can but I don't necessarily want to make that my business um, yeah because part of that that's a release for me it's a, it's a, a stress release mechanism for me it, I really look forward to it at the end of the day and I I'm always a little nervous that if I got into that fit to the fitness world or whatever professionally mm-hmm. I may um, compromise that part of my life a little bit now if you could combine all the things I just described all the power elements the strategy elements if you could combine that with a product or you know a service in the industry do you think that exists I think it exists um and maybe that's where I'll end up someday but um or I'll just start my own thing that's you know in that world if I only if I only knew somebody who uh (laughs) had some influence in that world maybe I'd be better off but I don't know what you're talking about do you think one or did you know that one in three people are now self-employed? I did not know that. Isn't that pretty staggering? That's a that's a significant amount of people. And I mean, it's happened in like the last I think three years. That's the beauty of, um, you know, I think it's it's actually why, in my world, um, we see such an incredible, uh, sorry, incredible, incredibly <laughs> competitive. I that's, was like, that's I a don't know that incre- word. Incredible and competitive. <laughs> incredible. Your vocab is stronger um, than mine, but no, that was the, the new one. The competitive landscape for people in any industry right now, I believe, is has become um, way more dynamic because there are so many people that are self-employed. There, are, you know, social media tools, the internet, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, have made 
accessibility of starting your own business, to put it in a very simple way, that much easier. And I think it's an incredible thing, um, you know, for mom and pop businesses, restaurants, shops, um, people, you know, who are starting a, you know, an apparel company or, um, you know, maybe a workout backpack fitness piece of fitness equipment. What a great like that. idea. That's an idea. <laughs> um, I think it's, uh, you know, for, it's, it's a threat to a, the establishment. And, you know, even though I may operate within the establishment, I think it's a good thing um, because competition is good. It's, it, you know, it spawns creativity and innovation and, you know, without that, you just, you have to adapt or die. So I think it's a good thing. And no, I had no idea that that, that many people were self-employed. I know. I love that. It's great. Um, it means that maybe there's going to be better suge- better solutions to things like jury duty. Did you know that I get zero compensation for jury duty and zero flexibility? And I, can't, I couldn't even get out of it because of That's being crazy. self-employed. That's crazy. Every employer gets paid or pays their employees if they go to jury duty. That's true. I should write a letter. And you just need to create a product that sells itself while you're at jury duty, jury duty. this is true <laughs> or maybe maybe you already have that i don't know the impact <laughs> um okay well i guess my question is how does someone who is not comfortable with numbers mm-hmm. have a successful business that's a great question um that can be like pursuing your passion making your product um you know, whatever it is, getting your hands dirty can, for some people, can be the the easy, non-threatening part of the equation. But putting, you know, pen to paper, actually sketching out your business plan, putting a two to five year business plan together and creating, you know, tangible forecasts that are associated with that can be, it can be really intimidating because not only do you have to get into a very granular level of detail when it comes to your the, the the thought of your product or your business or whatever but you have to you have to believe it through and through right you can't you can't start putting numbers on a page and be faking it i mean i i may have done it a couple times in my past but it was to help people who weren't willing to put the numbers on the page mm-hmm. um or didn't really believe in the numbers and i think that can be the most intimidating part of it is saying holy shit like i started something I built something. Now I have to sell it, right? And something I I'm really good at, um, you know, describing other people and other things. But I tend to be really reticent about describing myself and, um, you know, what I'm, you know, what I'm most proud of or most capable of. Um, I think it's really easy sometimes to talk about other people's things and other people's products. But when you have to describe your own thing and you have to literally, you have to, you know, you have to put uh, you know, the get the whiteboard out and start sketching out your business plan and putting numbers down on paper, they become real, they become intimidating very fast because, you know, it, 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 it like it takes it to the next level. I apply this very similar to any sort of workout or any sort of, especially with CrossFit, like the reason I think it's very attractive to a lot of people is because there is such tangible results. So you do a workout and you got this score. You redo the workout, you got a better score. Mm -hmm. But then it's also, once I got through CrossFit a little bit and got through the first initial like, hoorah, like girls workouts, Helen, Grace, whatever it is. After I did it, then those workouts then became terrifying because I was like, uh, 
I don't want to redo this workout. What if yeah. I'm worse? Yeah. And like numbers, I, that's just how I am. I hate mm-hmm. details. Yep. I don't know if it's from just like, I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I hate it. Well, I think, and like, I, you know, I use the analogy of like, you know, you go on a crazy vacation or a bachelor party weekend and you come back and you don't want to look at your credit card statement or your bank statement or whatever yeah right because that as soon as you open up that browser and look at the numbers it makes it real mm-hmm. um but in my experience um the people who are most successful whether it's early stage mid-stage or you know a well-established company they own the shit out of their numbers right they've they've ideated their business plan they've sketched out their you know current year forecast or current year budget and then long-term forecast over and over and over again and they know how do you forecast how do you forecast yes okay (laughs) well so i use two different terms right that i just ridiculous question well it's broad but i don't think it's ridiculous (laughs) so there's so think about it this way there's two two different so in 2017 for you right yes you have a budget right Mm -hmm. that's how you should think about you you have this year is my budget next year is my forecast um, budget is real and attainable. Forecast is your goal. Too many times people put their, what I like to call their um, upside case into their budget, which is if every single possible thing goes right and every marketing vehicle that I'm putting in place hits the way I expect it to hit, then I'm going to hit this number. No, because guess what? Like You have to fund your business according to that plan this year, mm-hmm. right? You need to buy inventory. You need to pay your bill, your marketing bills, right? You need to pay your people, whatever you're doing. You have to actually achieve that. So this, you know, your current year, obviously you want some some upside to it, um, you know, from a you know a goal perspective. But you want it to be r- rational and achievable. And at the end of the year, you want to beat it, right? And then you go into next year with some momentum. Um, and so, how do you do it? You literally you have to you have to understand your business at the most granular level. When I was an investment banker, we used to go in and we used to meet with companies, um, and we'd do a one or two day, um, essentially a, a sit down. In we would interrogate the business owner, right? Because it was my job to learn every single thing about their story, uh, how they started, how they got to where they are now, and what the numbers look like, and what their it was our job to help them develop these projections because a lot of people don't think about that until they're like, shit, I want to sell. What do I need? Mm-hmm. Or how do I grow? What do I need to grow? I want to, you know, whatever. Put this down on paper for the first time. And we would, we, our job was to just sit there and understand how they got to where they are now, what their people do, um, what their technology infrastructure looks like, what their, what their product looks like what their future products are going to look like what the industry landscape looks like what their competitors look like and then what their numbers look like right and and you you're you're sort of just building a story and every entrepreneur at any stage in your business should think about it as you're you're literally just crafting a story Mm -hmm. and you are you know depending on how long you've been in business or how successful you are or whatever you are just you're you're on a specific part of that corporate timeline or however you want to describe it right when you think about a slide in your your business plan or your pitch deck that's that's the that's where that's just how you want to look at it right now i'm here and you know four years from now i'm going to be at this point which i get that but like i as far as like how do you do it yes okay well um like i said the first and most important thing is to is to be willing to dig deep 
and literally understand every single number and every single component of your business. Um, I've never met a successful CEO that couldn't answer every single question about their business. They don't rely on people, you know, at their CFO or the, you know, their their analysts or their finance guys or their HR people or whatever to answer the questions in these meetings. They know every single thing because it's their baby. Mm-hmm. And I think step one is to own every single piece of your business, own every piece of your operation, your supply chain, whatever it may be. And don't be afraid if you don't, if you're not a finance person, it doesn't, you don't have to be a finance person to understand your numbers. You need to really just embrace whether it's a sales figure, um, you know, whether it's capital invested, uh, return on investment, whatever it may be, it's your job to understand every single number that goes in and out of your business. So that's, to me, that's step one. And then, so how do you forecast? Well, I like that what you told me just a, a while ago, you told me like, you know, don't be discouraged because I do think this stuff you can learn. And I have like a great deal recently, but that's, you can't learn passion. No. You can't learn no. having something be your baby and wanting everything in your being for it to be successful. Yeah. You can't train that. So right. it's really just, I think that's a good point that yeah. you might not have to intuitively know this stuff, but... Right. Well, that's a that's a great point because people get turned off by this. When, you know, if they hear me say this, they may be like, "Fuck that! I don't care about that. I want to just focus on what I'm passionate about." Yeah. This is you can you can just learn this by studying your own business. You don't need to read a book. You don't. I was gonna ask you. You don't need you to have take any it. Books that you like for this kind of stuff. No. Because I know someone's gonna ask. No, I mean, if you have like, to me, the number one like book that you should be looking at is QuickBooks. Like if you have a a little accounting software for your company or whatever, you should just read your own statements, your accounts payable, your accounts receivable, your statement of cash flows and your balance sheet. Um, Those are the things that are really gonna tell you the ins and outs of your business. And literally that's what it is. It's money in, money out. Um, And it it can be a little scary when you don't really know what you're looking at, but it's not that complicated. Um, And the more you look at it, you're gonna be like, oh, I see that line there. I know what that number is because on this date we did X, Y, Z. And you will gradually become familiar with it. Um, so I think it, it's, it, you can learn it. And that's the most important thing to understand. I don't, I've never made a product. I've never invented anything. I've never started a company. But I do understand this because I just learned it. Yeah. And I started from, I didn't know anything about this when I got into finance. Uh, I still have a ton to learn, right? But every day I, I see something new and I'm like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what that was yesterday. Now I understand it. I know a little bit more about my business today. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's what can make this human, right? That can that can actually make this um, less intimidating when you just embrace and buy into the fact that, you know, it's not it's not it's it may look scary, but who cares? It's your own company. Um, you know, take your time and just build off that. And I think. You know, getting familiar with those, what I just mentioned, those um, elements of your business, right? The things that may sound technical to begin with, they just sound technical because that's those are the names that we've ascribed to them as accountants or finance people or whatever. But what it is, it's just it's just cash in and cash out of your business, yeah. and it's and it's just you know sort of the general um, reconciliation of all that stuff. So you know, I guess that's a long way of saying step one is to just don't be afraid to learn some of this stuff, um, because 
you may be so passionate about what you do that you're like, I don't have time for this. I don't need to focus on that. That's not important. If I focus on that, it's going to take me away from whatever it is that I'm doing to build my company. I totally understand that. I totally get it. But you don't want to fall into the trap of relying on other people all the time to report back to you or tell you how you're performing. Did you always think you were going to be in finance? No, never. But you just literally like numbers? No, I hate numbers. <laughs> I was a political science and philosophy double major in college. And then this just like... I wanted out. nothing... I, I wanted nothing to do with, with finance. I just... I, you know... I just love the idea of like running shit. And it gave me the opportunity. It gave me like a crash course in... It was like a free MBA, mm -hmm. you know, and going back to school and sitting with, you know, dorky kids in classrooms just was the last thing I ever wanted to do. I just wanted to make money and work 14 hours a day. <laughs> I didn't really want to do that, but I did it anyway. And here I am. Selling burgers. Stop doing that. <laughs> um, what else? What else is, what else is next? Um, so, what, you know, how do you, how do you budget and how do you forecast in like the most tangible sense um i just mainly ask forecasting because i think we are in a very you know different field and this is something obviously with mpec i've learned and have like really actually it's kind of addictive when you get to know numbers but at the same time like a lot of the per people that are looking at starting a business and doing personal training or doing nutritional therapy, they don't even think about a business plan. No. Like how, how can they project who's walking in their client or into the gym and who's walking into the office and how important is that piece of it um, in order for true success? Well, do they, do you yeah. think that's a necessity for to, the field? To be able to forecast? Yes. Um, I think it, I think I don't think it's. I honestly don't think it's necessary for success, right? Because you can, you can run your own thing and do your own thing, and you can be successful without knowing what next year is going to look like. You really can, right? You just kind of, you do thirty day look thirty days out. You plan your calendar. You know you're going to make some money, and you just keep rolling, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's totally fine. So you don't need this to be successful, but if you want to take it to the next level and you want to grow your company and you want to have a sort of a pre to post look at where did I come from and where, I'm, where am I now or where do I want to get to? You have to, you have to put it down on paper. Um, and I think it, it helps you, it helps you run a sound business, um, in the current year that you're focused on. And it helps you set goals that are realistic hopefully somewhat ambitious but realistic for the out years and it allows you to start thinking about well shit if i could do this 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 and this on this timeline i can get to that number and if i get to that number i can get to the next level i can take on additional employees more in, you know investor capital i can potentially you know exit a certain part of my business mm -hmm. or whatever your goal is um you just you really do need to have it in your field different than my field yep. What? Why do you feel like most businesses fail? Um, I think most businesses fail because they um, they don't adapt to the changing environment around them. It has changed so much. I think it's it's like it's like corporate Darwinism. You know, yeah. it's like you either adapt or die, 
you have to be nimble. You have to you have to be thoughtful, but you have to move very quickly. Do you, is it true to say that the last five, ten, five to ten years has changed way more than the last? Oh, like nineteen ninety. I, I I really don't know because um, I wasn't really around yeah. back then. But it has to, right? I, I just think I think maybe it it may just be a, you know I just think information just moves so much faster than it used to. Yeah, and then so has technology and so has progression. So, yeah. like, it used to be, like, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like companies, especially when you look at how people are marketing, what you see on Snapchat ads that you see yeah. on Instagram, it's just yeah. kind of crazy. It is crazy. And I, I remember, like, um, you know, in my old banking days, listening to, like, old school Wall Street guys who mm-hmm. would just say, they would talk about the 80s, right, as, like, the golden era of bond trading or whatever it's you know i'm like is yeah. this wolf on wall street N- well not these but similar kind. Of, yeah similar <laughs> similar kind of guys who made similar kind of money and they you know they would talk about this decade of like you know this era of of prosperity whatever and i'm like that's over like you want to talk about an era being 10 years like shit now it's like tw- if like 18 months is a long period of time for things to stay the same yes like information moves so fast, things change so quickly. It feels like government has to be way more involved than they used to be because things are evolving so fast. And industry dynamics and culture shifts and trends and whatever, um, all that pop culture stuff included is changing so fast, right? So, you know, everything has to be on trend, everything has to be on message, um, products have to be relevant. And the message of, about that product has to be marketed appropriately to the right group of people. You know, I get exhausted. It's just like, honestly, we are literally being sold something every literal second of our life. Yeah. There's yeah. not one, if you look at the way things are marketed in the grocery store, the thing, the way they're placed in the grocery store, the way yeah. there's so much money going yep. behind selling people shit. Yeah. And quite some of it's not shit, but most of it, ninety percent of it, is shit. Well, it's ninety percent of it is shit, and you don't need it. I know. <laughs> We're just so. It, what is the statistic? Fifty to sixty percent of food is wasted. Right. And yeah. I kind of like what you said about when we were cooking dinner. It was like it really is. We buy in bulk, and then yeah. a lot of it goes to waste. Right. But are is that the point? Are they wanting it to go to waste, or yes. do they? Yes. See, that's what's so sad. To they me. don't want that's so. Sick. We were using the analogy of like spinach, right? Like they don't want you to buy a handful of spinach and cook it that night, even though a handful of spinach turns into like a teaspoon. But whatever, they don't want you to buy a handful of spinach. They want you to buy a fucking tub of spinach. Which I do. Right, which we all do because that's your option and it makes the most sense and it's marketed nicely and it says green, fresh, organic, blah, 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 right? And maybe it is. And you use three quarters of it and then the rest is all yellowy and nasty and slimy and you throw it away. Right? It's so annoying. And it has this big plastic bin that it comes in, right? That you hopefully you recycle, but sometimes you can't. So yeah, I think that's the side note. Like, yes, like why do you think people why do you think everything has an expiration date on it? Like if you threw everything out on the exact expiration date, like that's they that's what they want you to do. They want you to throw, I say they, I guess I'm like part of this world, but <laughs> <laughs> I, it, that, I mean, you devil, you devil, this devil, <laughs> burger salesman, um, making America fat again. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's. I mean, it's true. Like, 
expiration dates are there for a reason. Sometimes they, you know, they're there to protect the consumer, but I think 90% of the time they're well, wrong. Well, no, they're not. I mean, we were to work at, I'm not going to say the coffee shop because it's going to make it sound really bad, but there was definitely times where the milk had expired and it lasted seven days longer. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> right. Well, like, do eggs go bad the day? Oh, no. No, right? Does yeah. salad dressing go bad when it says it does? No, like, like... I'm well. <laughs> it may get a little funky and gross, what kind but of salad dressing I don't eat eating? salads or dressing. I don't know. You don't eat salads. I I drink. I put a drink. No, I put olive oil and salt on my salad. Um, like ranch. Dairy free. What was it? Dairy free. The avocado oil ranch. That's good stuff. Um, anyway, the point is, yeah, we waste a ton of shit, and a lot of smart people spend the majority of their professional careers putting a message together or a package or a brand composition that makes you want to buy it and think that you need to buy it. And I'm saying this like they too, but I'm part of it too. Yeah. I mean, I'm a lot, we talked about this a a little bit before we started the podcast, but like I will never support or be sponsored by somebody I don't believe in. Like I love the product, I find the product, and then I create a partnership with that. But at the same time, I still am trying to help this company. I'm marketing it to people that, and you know, I don't think it's a flaw. I think it's a cool thing because I have great companies and they all are embedding people's lives. But then we see our Instagram just flooded with this stuff, just crappy shitty supplements that people buy. <laughs> well, it's all, I mean, it is. Oh, I'm a little jaded, guys, because part of it is this Fit Expo I went to in Chicago. I think that really kind of effed me up. Yeah. With the fitness industry. Yeah, Like, I, I knew it was okay. Like, or I knew it existed. But to be around it again in that much, I, God, it made me, like, depressed. It was just exhausting to be around boosts and boosts and boosts of well-marketed shit and people just loving it because it was free or it was, you know, in a pretty package or it said a word like fat burner on it. And it's like, oh, done, taking yep. it. Skinny tea. Oh, God, it's it just makes me so angry. And I get really frustrated because there's never an easy fix. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you know me, then you know this. But it's just like, why do we, why does the brain automatically want easy? Right? Yeah. Is that a fair question? Well, what do you mean? What do you mean easy? Like in what context? I mean, it's like goes back to survival. Like we choose the easier path because that's the quicker way to, you know, conserve energy and it's a way for us to stay alive longer. And I have never, I've never really felt like I've had this issue. Like I've always wanted something a little bit more challenging, which I'm grateful for. But like if something's put in front of you and it's like, okay, you have three weeks to lose weight. You can do it by taking this supplement that might jack up your liver enzymes and most likely won't be sustainable. Or you can do it by going to the gym and changing your diet, etc. How many percentage of people would pick the left? Yep, you're right. And that's frustrating for me as a trainer. I don't mean to vent about this, but nope. it's a really tough work. Like as a trainer, I get really pissed because I can't, I'm never going to make anyone's job easier. Everything's still going to be hard. Well, I think, I think it's natural. Unfortunately, I think it's natural to, um, to want to just add more things to your life. Right. So it's really hard to take things away. So 
this is bad for me, or I should stop doing this or eating this or whatever. I need to remove that from my life. I think that is hard for people to do. Um, but just adding a new supplement or adding a new pill or adding a new tea or a food product or whatever, or swapping something out for something else that has a, that claims to have a different benefit, I think that's always the easy choice, which is why when you go to these things, right, there's 60 friggin' types of pre-workout, right? 900 different types of protein. Everyone's hawking their apparel and whatever, and it's all about what looks cool, what haven't I tried yet, free samples this, plastic gadget this, right? It's it's really hard. For, it's, it's way easier to just add or change than be thoughtful and remove things from your life. Yeah. Um, and I think... I mean, I, I really try to like, if something bothers me, if something is bad and I have a poor reaction to it or I know it's not good for me or whatever, I just say, fuck it, I'm done. I remove it from my life. Um, and I've done that in many areas of my life, not just in food. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. It's, it is kind of sad, but um, you, have to, you have to, as a, as a business owner, right, or as somebody creating or marketing a product, you have to take a stance and... Um, you know, I always tell people this, and I'm I'm not a marketing guy, but I, you know, I, for me, the most important thing when you're talking about marketing philosophy is you have to stand for something, um, and you have to put sort of put your foot in the ground. And what do you believe in, and how are you going to convey that message to people? I love that Malcolm X quote so much. If you, I, was, I don't know what you're talking you're, about. You're like all you're so good at history. I feel like I thought you were going to. I feel like he said he said more than one. He said more than one. He said if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Well, yeah. And yeah. so I mean, it's so cheesy, but it's really true. Yeah. We like you have to have conviction, yeah. whether it's with the food you eat or whether it's yep. with the exercise you do. Yep. Even if it's you know be flexible and the fact that you have to change it, and mm-hmm. if you you're always going to learn something new that might help you change your opinion but yeah. I also think that's an interesting point because I met with a um, a prominent marketing firm recently to talk about sort of branding and whatever and you know they said um, if you you know they were asking me who, who are you targeting um, what is your target demo and you know your initial thought is well it's it's uh, middle you know upper middle class 30 to 45 years old and they're like no 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 like you need to be specific like when i say who are you targeting i'm talking about what specific person what a what specific person who does you know a b c d things in their life you need to you need to get that granular who am i targeting Mm -hmm. and then take and then create your message and tailor it to that person because it then it like the there'll be like sort of a dia- a marketing diaspora out from there, mm-hmm. but you can't you can't just you know cast this wide net and expect to narrow in your focus on your target demo. You need to like you need to refine your message to the specific person, right? We always say, and I'm a little biased because you know I'm a 32 year old older millennial, but 32 year olds. Or for a wide majority of like you know consumer-based companies out there, that's like oh, 32-year-old male. That's who we're targeting or whatever, right? Because they're the ones that want our product or have spending power or have you know jumped from you know a middle-tier job to a management position and now they have some money and want to show their wealth and blah blah. blah. Like that seems to be like who they're. But it's like no, 
there are so many different types of people that fall into that demo. What specific person are you targeting? So then um, what would you give an, what's an example of what they wanted? Like, um, you know, I want, I want a 35 year old male who, you know, works out, who has a specific type of job that spends their money on specific types of things that does, has a specific routine throughout their day that comes to this restaurant for lunch and this coffee shop okay, in the yeah, afternoon. I, yeah. I mean, these, this was, they took it, they took it to a no, different level. Me but. Ask me, if you ask me what demographic for the impact, I would say from eight years old to 80 years right, old. Right, but okay, but think about this. Because everyone should lift weights. But look at your, look at your social media presence. Who are you targeting when you, when you post on social media? Myself, what? people like me. Right, and, and so how do you? What would you describe that that target person that when they see your post, people they're gonna go who, buy a an impact. Well, I just think it's people that just aren't conformists. <laughs> That's in, in my opinion a little bit of like when I look at what I just want to speak to the masses and not be like, God, I just I'm just so grateful. Well, we talked about this earlier. I'm just so glad I'm. I'm just not gonna sell out like a lot of people because, and I feel like a lot of yeah. that's my following is the people that are listening to this right now. They're just badasses that just know that there's more to the story than meets the eye, mm-hmm. and that's why they want to do the challenges and learn more and etc. So I'm, you know, it's a it's a great audience to be a leader of or whatever you want to call me influencer. Yeah, I guess I hate that word. Badass, sexy badass. No, thank you. There you go. No, I think it's a great point. And I, you know, and to kind of bring it back to what you were talking about earlier with, um, you know, what's your plan? How do you forecast? How do you, you know, talk about your business to other people long term? Um, you, you know, that's, that's part of your story, right? And the whole, you know, the most important thing is really understanding, creating, planning, believing in your story as an entrepreneur or as a business owner. Um, because, you know, I've heard it from people who are just in it for the money and I've heard it from people who started something from ground up who are wildly passionate about something you would never think someone could be passionate about. I mean, I did a parking meter deal. I sold a parking meter company, right? And it was a <laughs> decent size transaction. We're talking tens and tens of millions of dollar deal. And this was for a parking meter company. And you would have thought this thing could do open heart surgery <laughs> in the room when you're listening to the, you know, the founders and the, and the, you know, the, the chief executives talk about this company, right? Yeah, but that. all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I love parking meters. <laughs> I love parking meters. God, this thing takes credit cards. It's got a solar panel on it. Anyway, I'm just saying it's 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 crazy. Like you know, what you you never you never. Sorry, I'm screaming into the microphone. Like you just you, it's it's incredible what kind of story you can sell to people when you're passionate about it and you buy into it. And I think that's all I'm trying to say. No, I love it, and I think you know the audience that's listening, they got passion for sure. What's your biggest piece takeaway advice for someone that wants to start their own thing? From your perspective, from your corporate numbers, detailed corporate numbers, that's sort of a, sort of an oxymoron, right? Like from your corporate perspective, tell us what an entrepreneur should be thinking about. I mean, and I well, I do kind of want to see. Um, it's like the realist, like you. Yeah, I think it's. 
um, you know, identify a problem that you want to solve, right? That's step one. When, and I think you did that with, with your impact for sure, right? It's very simple. Identify a problem or something that you personally experience in your life that bothers you or you don't think is good enough or efficient enough uh, or high quality enough and then go out and create that thing that solves that problem and then build from there, right? So product one or service one is the thing that directly addresses that issue or that problem or that inefficiency and then you just evolve from there. And you know when you're building your first thing, you need to be thinking about these version 2.0, 3.0, 4.0 of that thing. Because like we talked about earlier, everything moves so fast. And because information is that is so readily available on social media and whatever, you know, someone out there is probably trying to build the same mousetrap and you, yours needs to be better, more thoughtful, higher quality, and you need to market it better with a better message. And so if it's not a product, if it's a service base, yep. my opinion, there's always room for just, you know, I think people, the, the person, the client you're working for is obviously like the problem. So just add your own twist to it. Like literally just, this is going back to what Kayla and I talked about. Like you don't try to replicate anything you see, just see it and make it your own. Like really figure out what is your personality trait or what, what is your like, you know, hoorah. Mm-hmm. When people look at you, they're like, you got a lot of this. Yeah. And then, like, saturate your business with that. Yeah, and I think, you know, this may sound kind of corporate, but, you know, it is what it is. Have a plan in place. Yeah. Right? And it's, you know, if you are that passionate about what you're about to go build or what you're going to create, um, you don't need help in that department, right? The thing you, you need to focus on, which can be the challenge, is build, create a plan, formulate a process and implement it into your business, right? Wake up every morning, have a plan of how you're going to go execute that day. Um, it, it's easier for some people than easier for some than others. Um, but I think what you know, what I always love to see is when people really had a thoughtful plan put together about their brand or about their product or about how they were going to grow into the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and they could really talk you through the story. Here's how. Here's where I'm at, and here's how I'm going to get to that next point. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of different elements that go into that. But um, from a high level perspective, that's don't be afraid to have a plan. Um, it sounds kind of boring and non-entrepreneurial and, you know, it's calculated and you're not being a free spirit about the, the organic development of your company or your idea. Um, but just start, you know, don't be afraid to put pen to paper and actually sketch out where you want to go. Um, I think when I've seen some people falter, it's that they um, they take too long to think about the product, to think about the plan, instead of just, you know, put a simple plan together and start building something. For sure. I love that. Uh, you can be found, actually, you have your own podcast. I do. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what we're talking about, know, which is, which so is actually hilarious because... It's- Talks Sometimes about things I, that happen in the world that are not cool. Not cool. And cool. And alpha. And alpha. Yeah. And Emily and I share this bond of being sort of being obsessed with the idea of alpha. 
versus beta or what we also call JV versus varsity. We sometimes get in trouble because we both are alpha. Uh, yeah, the alpha clash. The alpha clash. Um, anyway, yeah, it's called Alpha Musings, and it's just me and my buddy talking about crazy shit that's going on in the world and our take on it. And God, there's a lot of crazy shit going on in Yeah, the it's weird. It's, you know, we, um, we don't talk about this kind of stuff because we kind of do this every day, and so it's fun to just, like, you know, talk about all the insane current events that are going on out there and yeah you could do a daily one it just talk shit to, just talk shit to each other for an hour that's what you do pretty the much musings yep. you and Hugh me and Hugh me and Hugh um thanks for talking to me about this my pleasure it was wonderful we'll get into more detail next time Brad the Ford yep that's me okay guys see you next Wednesday later <laughs>